Welcome to the MedEvidence Podcast, hosted by Dr. Michael Corrin and Michelle McCormick. MedEvidence, where we help you navigate the real truth behind medical research with both a clinical and research perspective. In this podcast, we'll have discussions with physicians that have extensive experience in patient care and research. How do you know that something works? In medicine, we conduct clinical trials to see if things work. Now, let's get the truth behind the data. Welcome to MedEvidence, powered by Encore Research Group. Go to EncoreDocs.com. I'm Dr. Michael Corrin, and I'm leading this session of the MedEvidence Hour, and it's my pleasure and privilege to be sitting next to Dr. Charlie Boris, who is running a medical marijuana practice here in Northeast Florida. And he's um, somebody that I've known for many, many years, a long tradition, a long history of, a tra- of being a traditional physician, mm-hmm. and also somebody who I've conducted many clinical trials with. Yeah. So we've uh, enjoyed some really robust discussion around your practice. And what I want to get into in this session is there are still a lot of misconceptions out there, uh, maybe even particularly amongst physicians. Mm -hmm. And so I think it'd be very, very useful to dig into some of those misconceptions and to tell us what the facts are. Share the data with us. We're we're all about the data here at MedEvidence. That's true. I am as well. I was full of those myths and misconceptions myself until I started my journey into learning exactly how cannabis works. And I think most physicians felt the same way. It takes a lot of time to research cannabis and understand how it's working. And until you have that knowledge, it's hard to dispel those myths and misconceptions, one of which is the old gateway theory which was stated as 99% of people who move on to harder drugs started with alcohol and cannabis. And they were trying to make that link to it. That has clearly been dispelled. There was a Mm 96-page study provided by the Justice Department and the Library of Congress, which came to the conclusion there's no causal link between cannabis use and the use of other illicit drugs. Mm. Sure. So I want to dig into that a little bit with you for this concept of statistics. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite quotes is that there are three types of mendacities, lies, damn lies, and statistics. (laughs) So so you brought up a very, very interesting concept that 99% of people who are heroin addicts started with alcohol or cannabis. And you could say that 99% of heroin addicts started with chewing gum as well. Right. So just because there's something that predated something else doesn't mean there's any causation. In one of the articles I was looking at, they made the same analogy with milk. Yeah. 99% started with milk. Right. There's absolutely no connection, but it's a fact. And you had mentioned previously that probably there are some good data to suggest the opposite. Yeah. And so why don't you repeat some of those statistics for us? 64% of opioid intake well let me restate that there's a reduction in opioid intake by 64 percent in the places like colorado that were legal mm-hmm. all right so we know that there is less of a need for addictive products we have also in our practice seen a reduction in the use of the benzodiazepines mm-hmm. which are addictive 92 percent of our alcohol drinkers have reduced or eliminated it and many of them have gotten out of the category of an alcohol use disorder into what's considered to be safe 
mm-hmm. parameters for alcohol intake. And so another misconception is about lawlessness with the use of cannabis products. Um, any comments about that? Yeah, there was a question that there was that medical marijuana legalization is associated with higher rates of psychosis and of violence. And there was another more recent Justice Department funded study. Uh, they looked at Washington State and said neither cannabis related crime nor more serious offenses seem to be affected by legalization. So they did not see an increase in violent crimes in this era of multiple gunshot breakouts and the like. This would be something that should have the opposite effect. And then they said numerous other papers have turned out evidence that marijuana use and legalization leads to less violent crime, which makes sense. They go on to say its most common effects include a pleasant euphoria and a sense of relaxation. Sounds good to me. Sign me up. (laughs) So any other misconceptions that you want to address? Yeah, two others. One is that with medical legalization is associated with an increase in teen drug use and a rise in traffic fatalities. So there have been two economists. One was from the University of Colorado in Colorado, looking Mm -hmm. at it there. The other was from Montana Montana State University. They looked at a comprehensive review of public health consequences of marijuana legalization. They looked at dozens of published studies, and what they came up with, they found little evidence suggesting that recreational marijuana laws result in a greater teen drug use. Just couldn't find it. But strong evidence that teens who do use marijuana are less likely to use alcohol. Hmm. And they called that a public health win because of the more significant health problems associated with excessive alcohol use. And they also, again, as I mentioned, they found signs that having it legalized is reducing opioid use. Colorado was the source of that 64% reduction. And in the workplace, there's multiple studies showing that legalization reduces use of sick days Mm -hmm. and the absenteeism from a traffic standpoint researchers found that road safety improves when medical marijuana is legalized and all those in quotes from the particular study but the jury is still out on the role of recreational use inhalational cannabis leads to much higher levels of thc in a burst fashion than does ingested marijuana Mm. THC with or without CBD more gradual onset and more of a plateau for about six hours interesting so we don't get those big spikes any public health information about the effects of adulterated marijuana that was very prevalent before legality Um, I'm sure that has to translate something into a health benefit but I don't know if there are any data to support that I haven't read anything in that regard. For me, the biggest concern about recreational cannabis obtained off the street Mm. is the lacing with fentanyl. Mm. That's become more and more prevalent. I really, the best understanding I have is somebody telling me it makes it a little more addictive. So you're wanting to go back more to get the weed from Mm. that particular supplier. But there are people that are dying from use of combustible cannabis bought off the street if it's laced with too much fentanyl it's 
0.25 milligrams is a lethal dose. Yeah, yeah. Um, again, this has changed, but that was always something in college that even we talked about. So obviously, during the 70s when I went to college, cannabis was everywhere. And there was always that concern that it could be laced with something. Yeah, and it was commonly. Yeah, and I'm sure it was. Um, but I was wondering if there were any data to suggest that there were fewer incidences in the emergency room or elsewhere for, for that particular problem in states where it's legal recreationally. I haven't looked at it, Mike, so I don't know. Okay. I can't answer that. Some for the next uh, session. <laughs> exactly. I'll look it up in the meantime. So um, I don't know if you have any other misconceptions, but I have an important research question for you in a second. Any other? No, that's... Okay. So what, one of the things that we do as researchers, and I know you'll, you'll back me up on this, is we have an ethical responsibility to tell people any flaws in our theories. Mm-hmm. So what, what what's the weakest part of our argument? And, and that's important because we can only get better is if we explain what the weaknesses are and then make, address those and, and get better at that. So in your practice, what would you say is, are those weaknesses and where can we both um, from a local standpoint and from more global standpoint address some of those weaknesses? The biggest weakness is probably taking too much of a THC-containing product in somebody who is naive to the effects of cannabis. And we try to make it crystal clear, even in writing, when you take an oral dose, it can take over an hour to kick in. So don't be impatient and go take another dose. But here's the reality. The people who do, and we've had a couple that have done, even some very smart people, what we hear is they're very sleepy. Mm-hmm. So we said, go take a nap, but mm-hmm. call us when you wake up. <laughs> okay. And that question is usually, so how are you, how you feel? And that usually is, I feel great. Mm-hmm. Whatever they were experiencing, anxiety, pain, sure. et cetera, they feel pretty good. But we have had scenarios in which too much THC was recommended, typically by personnel at the dispensary, using what's called distillates, which is very concentrated cannabis, and even a rice-size amount is 25 milligrams of THC, which is a whopping dose for a cannabis-naive individual. We've had three of our clients end up in the emergency room from doing that. Uh. They're hallucinating, they're nauseated, and they're kind of freaked out. So this is why we always preach the gospel of start low, go slow. Right. And we put it in writing, don't take another dose before you've given it at least an hour and a half to determine if it is effective for you. Has has um, use of other people in the sphere of your patients been a problem? I'm just curious about that. Um, um, you, you would think that the availability of these products may encourage kids or other people to use the parent's product, et cetera. Like, how, how do you educate people that? How do you deal with that potential um, level of abuse. Don't get gummies. Yep. Don't get anything that would appeal to a kid. Right. Okay. Yeah. Keep it's... your products away from them. Mm. There have been issues in other places. Fortunately, not in our practice. Right. But these are things that are so avoidable, and we try to increase the awareness. Yeah. Of product them. product safety concepts. Yeah. Bingo. Any other? other any um, uh, technologies or things of that nature that would. Um, potentially help in that in this particular area do you think i guess making the you know if it's a tincture jar or whatever the packaging is Mm -hmm. making it child proof as possible Mm -hmm. beautiful so i know that you wanted to um 
and our discussion with uh, some personal notes. And um, uh, you told me this story, and it's it's profound. So please share it with with the audience. Thanks, I will. And mm-hmm. I don't see that I would have ever gone in this direction if it weren't for experiences with both mom and dad. Quickly with dad, a physician, a well-respected physician diagnosed with ALS back in 2013. And at that time, they said, probably got about a year to live. So we got him on cannabis early on. Again, it was my brother that suggested that, and I did my research and got dispelled myself of the myths and misconceptions, and we got him started. I still remember him looking at my brother. Am I going to hallucinate? was his first (laughs) question before he took his first dose. He didn't, and he never did. But it really made a difference. Dad lived. Well, but he, he did want to listen to Pink Floyd all of a sudden. All the time, man. <laughs> Couldn't get the dark side of the moon <laughs> off the stereo. But Dad lived one month shy of seven years from diagnosis. Oh. So instead of being gone in a year, the trajectory of his decline was so slow that his neurologists were scratching their heads. Maybe you don't have ALS. Maybe you have something called PLS, which is a much milder form. But he didn't share that he was using cannabis because he was afraid of losing some VA benefits at that point. Sure. Any, any um, scientific data on cannabis for a- ALS? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There yeah. is some yeah. data. Of course, not the traditional randomized clinical trials, right. but there's certainly Too bad. evidence. Yeah. Too bad. Yeah. And hopefully yeah. one of these days. Mm-hmm. Then we went to mom, who was 2014, was having terrible spine pain, six hours of surgery, on an opioid five times a day, and was cognitively impaired, and I thought it might be the opioids. Got her on medical cannabis, got her car, got her on it, and it took close to two years, but cognitively she started improving. I bring dinner out to my folks every Thursday, and I would sit across the table, and she would look at me with mouth open and kind of blank eyes. And that's not mom. She's mm-hmm. full of personality normally. This wasn't her cognitive impairment, hallucinations, agitation, paranoia, blaming dad of misplacing her jewelry and things like that. After about two years, though, we saw definite stabilization. The hallucinations went away early on. But then her memory started coming back, and she had cognitive testing to follow up on baseline studies, and she had gained 10 points, which put her into an area that was one point below normal. That was seven years ago. Mom still has her memory and even has shown evidence for pretty good short-term memory. She'll remember things from the previous week that I hadn't remembered. Interesting. Fascinating. And that's what really magnetically pulled me into this industry. What kind of balance between CBD and THC was best for for mom? Uh, Pretty much an equal amount Mm -hmm. with them. And dosing three times a day is what worked for her. Yeah. Well, that's just incredibly compelling. And and thank you for sharing that personal stuff. I know it's not always easy. So, Chai, I know there's another anecdote you want to share as well. Yes, we have an elderly client. She is 82 with severe Alzheimer's to the point that she's essentially non-communicative when we first saw her. And that was over 14 months ago was the initial visit. Husband came in as the caregiver the last time we saw her. So she's already had a seven-month, and now this is her 14-month recertification. And she really had only been using the right combination of cannabis at the close to the right frequency for seven months. Mm. 
And he started reporting that she's talking more. And in her sleep, she would throw out lucid sentences in her sleep. Interesting. Interesting. Hmm. And one of the trips in the car, she looked over to him and said, is that my drink? <laughs> I'm getting kind of goosebumps, yeah. frankly. It's, yeah, it's interesting. You can access different parts of your brain if you can figure out the right stimulation. And so, is that my drink? And he goes, <laughs> yes, honey, it is. Thank you. <laughs> it just doesn't happen. And when we saw her, and he was sharing these stories, which was, I mean, just yeah, heart heart scenes, yeah, yeah. just seeing that because it yeah, tells me yeah. she's following the trajectory that mom did, mm. showing even earlier response than what mom did. Uh, but it's just, it's just so compelling to know that somebody can have that response. But when we saw her, she was definitely the eyes looked more alive. She was making eye contact, smiling at times, and even answering questions. Whereas before. I don't think she ever looked me in the eye the two visits prior. I don't remember ever making eye contact with her. That's so interesting. It's amazing. This is really compelling stuff, Charlie. So tell the audience where they can find out more. I know that you're passionate about it and you've written about it, so let them know where you can learn more. I do write a lot of articles about cannabis because I love educating myself and I love sharing what I've learned. So we have a website, borasmd.com, B-O-O-R-A-S, and I have an education section in the website. So I would encourage anybody that wants to learn more about cannabis, go check it out. Yeah, and if you're local, come see Charlie. Uh, He's a great doc. host Michelle McCormick and we want to thank Dr. Michael Corrin for his clinical and research perspective behind the science in this episode of Med Evidence the truth behind the data